Welcome to Beth and Jordan Rewatch. I'm Jordan, and I'm a nerd. And I'm Beth, and I'm also a nerd. For our show, we will rewatch TV shows and movies that Beth and I have enjoyed and try to look at them with a fresh perspective. For this season, we will be rewatching Avatar The Last Airbender for the third time for me and for the three millionth time for Jordan. So let's start with season two, episodes nine and ten. Let's go ahead and start our episode, as we usually do, talking about um, the recap of the episode, where Beth and I try to, within a minute, uh, recap the episode um, as best we can. We've kind of been on an interesting run of streaks. Uh, first, we both started off not doing too hot on getting it under a minute. Uh, then we both were excellent and consistent. And then I led some inconsistency. But then Beth decided to equal the score last week with being inconsistent. Uh, and so now we are back to trying to both be consistent. Um, I have volunteered to go first for season two, episode nine, Bitter Work. Uh, Beth, do you have your eye on the clock? I do. All right. Let's go ahead and give me my countdown. All right. Three, two, one, go. All right. It's the first day of earthbending training, and it turns out that uh, earth is a hard element. Um, it tur- And so as Aang is trying to learn earthbending, he's not so good at it because it turns out it's his natural opposite. While Katara is like, take the soft and easy approach, Toph is like, nope, hard, brutal work it is. Meanwhile, Sokka is off on his own little adventure, getting himself stuck in a crevice. Meanwhile, Zuko is learning to do lightning with Iroh, but he's got his own issues, you know, with honor and everything, and so it's not going well for him. Meanwhile, uh, Aang continues to fail at earthbending training. Um, he tries to rescue Sokka out of a crevice, and eventually he succeeds in doing this. At this point, Toph is like, you're ready, bend the rock, and then he goes earthbending. All of this while Sokka has had an existential crisis. Meanwhile, Zuko is still not a lightning bending very well. Uh, Iroh teaches him how to instead channel lightning. Um, and when Zuko is, when Zuko tries to ask for Iroh to, to lightning at him, he says no. Zuko gets angsty and mad, asks for God, I don't know, somebody to shoot lightning down at him. He doesn't. He gets all angsty and like, meh, end of story. 10 seconds over, but not too bad. Dang it. I felt it too. I like, there's just you were a doing moment so when you're... well. And then you just got a little bit too detailed on the Zuko at the end. It was. Yeah. Going so well. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> it's just okay. such a good part of the episode though. <laughs> I know. Angsty Zuko. Anyway. Like oh yes. Okay. Um, so now you have season two, episode 10, the library. I have mm-hmm. my eye on the clock. Are you ready? I am ready. In three, two, one. All right, so the gang are all deciding kind of to take makeshift vacations when they stop in at makeshift Tatooine. Uh, They Mm. run into the professor of anthropology from Ba Sing Se, and he's like, hey, there's this giant library. And Sokka's like, ooh, a library? We can get good intel on the Fire Nation. They fly over the desert. They find the library. Uh, Going inside, they meet Wan Shi Tong, a big owl spirit guy who's super creepy looking, and discover that all of the info on the Fire Nation has been burned, except for a giant calendar thing that shows them that there's an eclipse coming. Um, Wan Shi Tong is like, oh no, you guys are going to try to use this to defeat the Fire Nation. I'm going to kill all of you and drown my library. They're able Mm -hmm. to get away and get out, but unfortunately, Toph had to hold the library to keep it up from sinking, and Appa got stolen. Wow, you've got like 15 seconds left. Jeez, <laughs> I need to like even these out. <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, like there was only an A plot on this. And so it was kind of, and, and not to diminish your success, but like it's, it helps a little bit. Yeah, when there's not a B plot to keep track of, it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm.
it's time for the part of the episode where we break down each of our episodes we've watched um, in the analysis portion. Um, Beth, the episodes we've got this week, we've got bitter work to get us started with. Uh, what did you take away as we get into Aang's preparation for becoming an actual Earthbender? I love that this is another Aang Zuko parallel episode. Ooh, I didn't even think of it this way. Please elaborate. Yeah, so Aang is working with his natural opposite. He's trying to learn an element that he's not good at. We saw him get be supernaturally gifted at waterbending right off the bat, mm-hmm. um, but he just cannot earthbend to save his life because instead of finding a way around things, finding a way out of things, like duck, ducking, dodging, the way that Aang sort of deals with everything in his life, not just bending, he's forced to deal with things head on. Meanwhile... Zuko is trying to learn something that doesn't come naturally easy to him. He's used to using the aggressive, powerful side of firebending, whereas lightning bending requires having a good balance of the yin and the yang, the positive and the negative, and he's just not Mm. able to separate those two and channel them, as opposed to just trying to force it out, which is why he keeps, like, setting off explosions instead of lightning, or at least that's why I think. Um, I think think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good. Oh, I'd never thought of it that way. That's a that's a neat little parallel. Yeah, and I, I mean, I and now that you mention it, I do I do agree that it's it's two people kind of working with their opposite mentalities, their opposite yeah opposites of their nature. Um, I actually wrote. I mean, and this kind of lines up with what you were saying. I actually did take a note on here. I was like, huh, Zuko would have made a great Earthbender if he were actually of the Earth Kingdom. Honestly, um, though. <laughs> His stubbornness is pretty profound. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like when it comes to these episodes, like, I feel like you and I are gonna like we don't have a ton to say. Like, it's training montages, um, mostly unsuccessful, but then slightly successful. Um, but I mean, it, it's mostly just some analysis of, um, you know, the nature of the elements, how Earth is so contrary to air, um, even for Zuko with the whole lightning thing how calm he needs to become is just so very contrary to his nature. Excuse me. So yeah, I don't know. I, I did kind of, I did kind of like that. Cause I, and some of that goes into, you know, just the foresight and, and wisdom in creating this whole universe is that they chose martial arts styles and they chose bending styles that are just so opposite because you really don't think about it. But yeah, if you look back got it, like when Aang has dealt with situations, it's usually been like, through circling motions, through, uh, you know, trying to find another way through. And that's not the style of earthbending. Earthbending is we have a problem, we deal with it head on. And just power through. Yeah, exactly. Um, Which is, yeah, which is just a very unique situation. Um, I don't even, wow, I don't even have a lot to say about Sokka. Really? I I know. I mean, it's funny. It was the comic relief C-plot. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, my favorite thing in that whole thing is like how in one second he's like, whoever controls karma in the universe, um, I will give up sarcasm and meat uh, if you get me out of this. And then the moment somebody shows up, Aang, thank, Aang, you're here. Do you have any meat? (laughs) And then immediately starts making sarcastic comments that just go right over Aang's head. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, oh, in a t- in a difficult situ- in a tight situation. Hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I can I can empathize. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I do I, love I, I, the. Go ahead. 
I was just going to say, I lo- do love the line, though, where he's like, you're really cute, but unfortunately for you, you're made of meat. <laughs> yes, the beautiful circle of life. Yep. But also Aww. just because, like, whenever, like, my one of my dad's dumb jokes is always, like, to tell our dogs, like, hey, remember in an apocalypse situation, you're made of meat. <laughs> so, oh <my> <laughs> I was uh, like, oh, my God. <laughs> that's hilarious. You know, one thing I will say to get something of a little more depth um, it is interesting how, I mean, it's already obvious that Iroh views Zuko as his own. Mm-hmm. Right? He's literally said that. But this, of course, this TV show is just going to just slam it in our face with the very first scene where <sighs> Iroh is conscious by throwing in a flashback of Lu Ten. Oh my God, I'd almost forgotten about that. Yes, yeah, so I was just like, I wrote Dad, why, why do you got to do this to us? Like, and- why the, you gotta make ah. the short second of him kneeling at the base of the tree at his son's grave, like ah, oh. uh, why? Why you gotta do this to us? Why you gotta play with our feelings like this? I know. And then he comes out, and instead of like being all sad and mopey, he's like, "Hey, Zuko, I'm gonna teach you everything I know because you're my son now." It's like ah, oh. ah, uh, yes. Uh, I love. I have to say, my favorite quote. So I've got, of course, I love the Sokka quote. And then my fa- my other favorite quote that came out of this is when Zuko is like, you know, what are you talking about Azula? He's like, I know you're going to say that we should we should get along and, and she's my sister. And Iroh's just like, no, she's crazy and she needs to go down. <laughs> I love that line. Yeah. Uh, it's I mean, it's, it's it's out of character, of course, for Iroh, but it's it's fun for Iroh to to kind of get out of character and just be like, no, we got we got to <laughs> deal with the facts here. Mm-hmm. Not everything can be solved peacefully, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And then I don't know. I, I have one more thing I'd like to mention about this episode. But do you have anything else you want to talk about? Uh, go for it. So the one thing I guess about Zuko that I just want to mention is just again, where Zuko is at. Um at the end, you know, like, it seems like he's got a healthy, repaired relationship with Iroh now. He's willing to learn from him. He's a little more humble. Um, But then in the end, when Iroh won't shoot lightning at him, you know, of course, he gets upset and stomps off, um, makes the very immature decision to wait for a storm to strike him. Um, And I don't know, like, just very much reveals his attitude of, like, the universe is against me. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that whole scene and, and that it did, it did kind of tug at me a little bit, that whole scene where he's yelling at, at the clouds, the sky, God, I don't know, uh, that you've never, you've never, uh, held back before strike me now and I can, and I can shoot it back. And it's just like, ugh, man, you just feel for angsty Zuko and there's just so much anger in there. Mm hmm. Because, I mean, from the very first season with the My Sister Was Born Lucky and I Was Lucky to Be Born to Zuko Alone, where we see his childhood, where he's not the gifted firebender that his sister is. And he's never been able to win, like, his dad's approval. And I'm sure it all just comes down to he feels like he's been dealt a bad hand and that there's nothing he can do about it, right? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, so I just wanted to to mention that um, before we moved on to the next episode. Yeah. Good, um, good. Tra- it could have been a just a basic training montage episode, but darn it, they had to turn it into a good character building episode. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's nothing new. We didn't already know about Zuko, but just re- uh, continuing to emphasize, emphasizing for Zuko, and got some development. We got to see Toph in a teaching role. So, True. yeah, I guess I was focusing more on the Zuko. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right on the 
Toth and Aang part. Um, but yeah, are you ready to go on and talk about the library? Let's do it. All right, let's go take our vacation at the library. Um, uh, so again, I don't have, I don't know. I don't have a lot of notes on here. I guess what, I don't know, what did you, what stuck out to you in this episode? Um, well, right off the bat, knock off Avatar Land Tatooine. <laughs> <laughs> yep, complete with sand people and all that stuff. And a seedy bar and buildings that look like Tatooine buildings. It's like, huh. I'm sure this isn't a direct ripoff. <laughs> I mean, all they needed was that was that music playing in the background, and it'd have just been like cinched deal. Honestly, but it kind of subverts your expectations right off the bat, right? Because the CD bar patron they bump into isn't like, "Hey, watch where you're going." He's like, "Oh, you're an Airbender. I'm a nerd. Let me take notes." <laughs> yes, and also like this professor is like, like he's just like, "Oh, you're an Airbender." Like. Everybody else has made the connection like he's the avatar and like is in awe. Mm-hmm. He just treats him like he's a specimen. He's just like, ooh, you're an airbender. Oh, I just want to learn more about you. And it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, hmm. okay. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's it's an in- it's an interesting episode because like, I don't know, in a lot of ways, I feel like when it comes to this episode, if we're looking at character development, there's very little. Um storyline is interesting of course like yes. like there's there's it's i feel like this episode is more about putting the pieces into position um to set up for because we're at we're at episode 10 we're nearing the halfway point of this this season it's more about getting the pieces into position for the back end of the season mm-hmm. um so like you have you know the fact that we now know about the day of black sun um, and I guess I should have written this, this down. This is a, a different moment. And I remember the first time I watched this thinking this, like for the first time, it does feel like we have an advantage on the fire nation. We know of a day when they could go down. It is possible that team avatar can defeat them. Yeah. And honestly, it's like, it is the first kind of glimmer of hope we've had this season. Like for sure. it's, it's a downer of a season. And we've finally learned that, there's something that we can use to our advantage. There's there's a chance that we can actually win this thing if we use this. Exactly. And 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 truly the first Yeah, I mean it feels like the de- that they play defense the entire time because they are because the Fire Nation's trying to they're nearing victory in the 100 Years War as Katara tells us at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And so they're constantly playing defense almost trying to prevent that ultimate victory. Um and yeah, you finally have something they can use that's aggressive. Um, Of course, we find out that it's not all, you know, happiness and sunshine and let's just go to bossing, say, and uh, take down or tell all the Earth Kingdom generals how to defeat the Fire Nation. Um, We have the interesting, awkward, uh, tough Appa bonding session. Oh, I love it. Do you really? Yeah, it shows that she is a little bit more of a softy than she lets on. So yeah, and it, and the whole insight, like I guess, as far as world building, it is good. It is worthwhile to find out, like there are limits to Toph's earthbending. Like sand is not is like mist to her. Yeah, and it is kind of cool to see a different style of bending too, right? Like because we mm-hmm. have the swamp benders for the water tribe, now we have sand benders for Earth Kingdom. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so we we do we have kind of these interesting benders that kind of like swamp like the swamp what the swamp tribe 
kind of almost blurs the line between waterbender and earth and earthbender, although they're definitely way more water. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the sandbenders are kind of a mixture of air and earth, although again, still more on the earth side. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a these interesting little qu- almost quirk um, bending abilities, I guess. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of neat for expanding the lore. Um, I did. So just a little trivia thing to point out. Um, you know that I there's there's one creature that exists in all of the avatar world that frustrates me. Um, yes. And, and <laughs> so you probably know where I'm going with this. Uh-huh. Uh, this is unfortunately the first appearance of lion turtles. <laughs> and I just have to wonder, and I guess sort of people who are listening who haven't watched the end, lion turtles will come back, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and I guess I just have to wonder, was that intentional? Did they really like put that little seed in there to just kind of be like, ooh, we're leaving a little Easter egg that nobody will know until they come back? Or was it like an offhand thing? I feel uh, like if it was supposed uh, to be a teaser for later on, they might have given us a little bit more information. Like, oh, look, a lion turtle. It says here that, well, uh, exposition yeah. dump. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. So, yeah, and I guess I kind of I hadn't really realized that lion turtles were mentioned anywhere than later on. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess I stand a little bit corrected for those who I've griped about these creatures too. Um, anyway, it's a bit of trivia, and unfortunately, we can't go into any more detail on it. But it was something that I I did notice. Stay but, tuned for future episodes of Beth and Jordan Rewatch to listen to Jordan rant about lion turtles. Oh my god. <laughs> I hate them. I hate them so much. Just, uh Yeah. Anyway, they will resolve any plot. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Maybe sex lion turtle. Anyways. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. What 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 other things did you did you take away from this episode? Because really that kind of hits some of the main um, things, other other than this beginning, the whole like Appa being missing and like setting up that whole thing. If I had been a child while watching this episode, I would have cried and had nightmares for weeks about Wan Shi Tong because he is terrifying. <laughs> but he yeah, gets he, all long necky and is like chase, chasing him down hallways. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah, this is true. You're absolutely right about this. Um, yeah, I can't say I can't say I necessarily felt. I don't remember being particularly terrified about Wan Shi Tong when I first watched this. I was a sensitive child. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I feel like I was to an extent too, but I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Wan Shi Tong is a bit freaky. But it is interesting. I don't know when he's like, oh, do you think you're the first humans to think your war is justified? You're just going to use this to get the leg up on your enemies. And it's like, well, yes, yes, that's the plan. That's what they came in to do. Like, it probably wasn't the best thing to lie about it. But if they don't stop the Fire Nation, the Fire Nation's going to do a lot of damage. I don't think like wars in general are justified, but stopping a bunch of people from getting killed probably a good idea. Yeah, and and you know you got to give well, you got to give them credit for like Wang Shitong like very much poking holes into their argument of like you know, you know, oh well, our specific cause is justified. And it's like, oh, everybody thinks their specific cause is justified. Yeah. Uh, and so because of course we see in the flashbacks that Admiral Zhao found out about the Moon Spirit through mm-hmm. through this specific library, um, 
so yeah it's yeah there's like an objectively true part of it where yeah the fire nation is objectively wrong Mm -hmm. um but of course it's you can kind of see where from the from the perspective of an immortal being how subjective this all this all seems to him it's just like what does it matter what does it matter to me if you fight your little battles and like you're all you're all just you all just want to keep killing each other and it's all pointless and stupid in his mind good point good point And finally, to wrap up the episode, um, it's time for us to give our ratings. We usually do this on a four-point system uh, with decimal points allowed. We come up with arbitrary rules about what makes for an effective ranking system, and then we don't actually use them. Um, so take our ratings with a grain of salt. Beth, uh, for Season 2, Episode 9, Bitter Work, what was your rating, and why did you give it that rating? I'm going to give Bitter Work a 4.1. It's not as rewatchable as some of the other episodes for me, but it's a good sort of character development training montage Uncle Iroh wisdom kind of episode. I would honestly agree with basically everything you just said. I also gave it a 4.1. And honestly, yeah, everything you just said, maybe I would just add in, I don't know, angsty Zuko. I don't know. It's, as, as a Zuko stan, you'll appreciate the fact that um, yeah, it's just, it was good. And I we added to the episode. Yeah, we love him. <laughs> and I would completely agree. Like, would I want to rewatch it again? Yeah, probably not. Um, but yeah. And then finally, for season two, episode 10, The Library, what were your thoughts? Um, also going to give this one, I think, a 4.1. Um, not mm-hmm. as heavy on the character development, which I usually like, but a good plot, kind of an interesting concept, cool new locations. Not crazy rewatchable 4.1. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I even I knocked it down to just a four, um, and I guess the reason I deducted it a bit is, like, it's it, it's a weird. This is a weird episode, honestly, to have to rate because, um, like, on the one hand, it, it its effective purpose is to put things into place for future episodes, which like, but when you watch that episode, you don't know that, mm-hmm. um, and so like, it's only with the knowledge of what comes after, do you know what the purpose of this episode is. And so, like, it, it has good. Like, it's awesome to learn about the Day of Black Sun. Um, yeah, I'll agree that. Although, like, I agree that Toph and Appa's banter is kind of amusing. Um, but I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's it's not one that you necessarily are just excited about rewatching. Yeah, it's necessary, but not necessarily great. <laughs> right. And it's not, it's, but it's not bad. Either. Right. right. I, I think that's where it's tricky to rate. It's necessary, but not a bad episode. Mm-hmm. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Beth and Jordan Rewatch, where we rewatch our favorite movies and shows and discuss what we love about them. You can find all of our episodes on anchor.fm slash BJ Rewatch or on Spotify at Beth and Jordan Rewatch.